0: This is the Epilogue Audio Experience.
1: Hello, and welcome to Voice of Achievers, a weekly podcast that dives deep into situations that shape the learning curve of experienced individuals. My name is Yashika, and I curate the stories of passionate individuals who dared odds to walk a tough road. Simple people like you and I, they tried, they failed, but they continued working hard and managed to stay afloat even during hard times. So what is that one thing that changed their lives completely? What motivates them? What did they learn from their failures? Let's get into their world and explore their journey. From an idea of a startup to its launch, what does the growth story of a successful startup sound like? What is a founder's mentality and a founder's quotient? And why is it important for non-founders to have this too? Our guest today is Mr. Santosh Panda, the CEO of Explora.com, one of India's pioneer solution platforms for a do it and ticketing marketplace. Mr. Panda has a decade of diverse experience in the software industry, product development, consulting for FTSE 100 companies and startup companies across the globe. He has been involved in building products like the BBC iPlayer, eBay UK, Cyclone Commerce, OnStation, etc., having served over 50,000 events across 21 countries with Explora. Mr. Panda believes in the founder's mentality. Let's find out more in this conversation. Welcome to the show, Mr. Panda.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here.
1: You were born in Behrampur in Orissa to then being an information technology expert in the United Kingdom. Then two attempts at starting a business and finally the idea that brought you back to India. What was so convincing about Explora that urged you to get back?
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, with two attempts uh, back in UK, I realized that the ideas were powerful, but it needed a market which gives you an access to iterate, implement and improve. So when you look at way back in 2005 five six, those markets, Western markets and primarily UK markets were far ahead in the technology curve. So if you're launching a startup in those eras, it was tough to compete with existing players without fund and without cost to acquire customers with the, with the lowest cost. Right? So when I then encountered Explora, uh, I had nothing to do with event management, just, it just came in on my way and I picked it up. Now then when I saw Explora, I started mapping the local market, which is London. I, I used to live there in the UK. And then I started mm-hmm. mapping back in India. I realized that way back uh, those 2008 uh, time frame, I realized that as a country, we still we are not using technology for our day to day life. We still use an offline world to do things that could be solved technologically. So whether it's e-commerce that is happening now, whether it is digital consumption that is uh, increasing in the last three to four years, those were not the case in 2008 timeframe. And then when I started mapping it, I absolutely was convinced that I needed a market, again, those three I's, you know, you need to have a market which gives you an opening to I-Trade and improve and then increase your growth over the years. So. When I started mapping, I said, oh, yeah, this is not going to happen in a year or two. We are still ahead, much, much ahead of the curve in terms of technology growth and new technology coming in. But then which market will get me to do in a low cost and start the journey so that I can continue to iterate and improve. And and India fit very well in my journey.
1: Yes, but then again, you said that you didn't have prior experience in the events industry. So how did it work?
0: Yeah, it's always all right. And so I think all of us, all the entrepreneurs out there, though there are exceptions who have expertise in an industry and do well, but I think most of them come with a mindset of suddenly encountering a problem area that they felt that they can contribute. I think that motivates most the entrepreneurs to come out and do it. So for me, I was part of the eBay UK team. So we were going out to a lot of events those days and I was as part of a hosting organizing team or as a part of a team to go out and attend. I realized that the world is going to be heading to a world where we bring people together in terms of events. Event is one mechanism where you are connecting people together. And then I realized that if you really think about it, it's not a rocket science. It's it's just a application of right techniques, process, and the way you would like to offer to customers so everybody or anybody could host an event. So I basically got motivated by having a tool that allows or democratize event creation and hosting across the world or starting across the India. So then I had to spend time looking out what information I have on the web, who else is doing it, what has been the success map, where companies have failed, who are the earlier customer base that they've uh, been talking about it on the web already. What are the use cases, case studies? So, within 20 30 days, you will able to get a basics about any industry as such. And then it's up to you whether you think this is a problem area that I want to go after. So, my learning on event management or an event came from an interest when I realized, yeah, this is something that I would like to do. And then I could start mapping it, finding out the Pain points or problems, talking to a couple of people who host events and including my own experiences of within the eBay EQA team, I realized that this is something that I can go after.
1: Which means that the idea came about first and then you started doing your research and then started gaining subject matter knowledge.
0: Absolutely right. In the same format.
1: The fact that you began with an idea in 2008. And you continued to focus on business technology and suddenly in 2012, hit a 600% growth and landed in 2013 with an angel funding. And this was also the time actually that Explora rebranded itself. So why was this rebranding important?
0: The rebranding was very important. I think uh, one of the learnings that I have, and um, I would always encourage you founders who are getting into starting up, I think for a lot of us, we are in a global world. As Nandan Ilkhani says, right, it's a flat world World at the moment. You might be having a startup in Bangalore, but having uh, a huge impact uh, back in the US. So the market access is now open to all. and That means that you would be suddenly seen in another continent or country Where people like what you offer. Now. In that context, your name is going to be a very, very important thing because how do you pronounce it? How do you relate to it? Is it something that one can pronounce without having any issues? Is it a name that's going to give you a lot more longevity than anything else? For example, Google. It's such a simple, and it gives you an expansion expansion to open up to the area. So if you take all these factors, uh, longevity, having an impact, other part of the world able to relate to this name, easy to pronounce, and easy to branding, you know, how you want to do it. And then attaching with one of your core offerings and then starting to make sense, it's a great way to do it. I think in Indian companies, even Joho for that matter, I love the way they have named it. So it gives them a huge opening to do whatever they would like to do in their journey. So I think that motivated us to relocate and put these global ambitions behind it. And as I talked about the framework, have the flexibility to take Explora to more impactful businesses or decisions that we will take. Because in every company's lifeline, you may have started something, but you would end up doing many more if you are successful. And in that context, your name becomes a great identifier to keep establishing that journey and uh, making an impact. So that's the reason why we did branding and I, why I would always recommend anybody, everybody to think about it whenever you are naming your company.
1: So the, the fact that it was rebranded in 2013, yeah. we are in 2000 and now, yeah. do you think the rebranding was justifiable and you think it has had an impact, like a positive was, impact?
0: Huge impact. You know, I would give you one example. I was invited to speak in one of the oldest business forum from Gujarat. And I went there, the entire hall was filled up with 800 businessmen, with families and everybody had come. It's a community event. And I went there and started talking about Explorer and then... When I opened the question to um, the floor and then I asked about it, you know, any questions, I was surprised that at least two or three of them, they didn't know that we are an Indian company. So, you know, it has already, they had used it, they had, but they didn't know about it. So I think that day I really felt good that, yes, we have some impact in the name. And before that, when I used to go out and tell that, you know, we are called or we are called this name, people used to have a lot of difficulty. What does it mean? Why does it that, you know, not more about your offering, but more about your name. I think that's the difference that I want to bring it out to say, hey, when you're positioning it out, when you're telling about your company, it should be about what you offer, not about what does it mean. Why does it sound this way or that way? I think that's not helpful in the marketing or in how you would like to see the future watch. So that's one. Second is when we picked up Explorer as a name, we always wanted to build, I always wanted to build a company which is business products, right? We started the event, but then quickly, if you look back in the last three to four years, the world is moving towards an experiences economy. And when we branded Explara, we always wanted to play around experience and explore. These are the two key words that we used to come with a name called Explara. Now, when we look forward for Explora, Explara is heading for a multiple product business. We already do event management. We already do membership management. We will be entering a bit of commerce software and crowdfunding. Those are the upcoming product area that I'm a bit of revealing here. Uh, it's still to come, but that's the world that we are heading it out. And Explara as a brand is perfectly fitting the future that I see that as a business, you need to understand your customer, understand your experience of your customer and offer a fantastic experience. So experience, Explora comes so naturally well right now.
1: And as a part of this journey itself, there was another edition a few years later, merging with another ticketing uh, platform called the Indian Stage, which also had you reinvent once again with additional members from a new organization. That's right especially into your sales and your business team. Yes. So how does one blend synergies with a different team from another organization? Suddenly your organization now has different team members from like a different organization altogether.
0: True. It's toughest. I think in every M&A merger or acquisition, is toughest to align the cultures and practices, how you do here and how do they do there. But I think in some way or other, if you have goals like the founders and the team can align, the first thing is people people need to love to work with another set of people. So that's the first and foremost. Uh, Though the most critical is culture, that's where the culture comes in. But I think when you start appreciating the founders, the journey that they've gone through, the team members that the honesty, the humility, the modesty of the team members, I think the life becomes much simpler and easy to explore. I don't uh, say that it's going to succeed, but at least that's the basic of uh, merger. So we had challenges, and uh, we had to go through quite a bit of understanding, brainstorming, having different approach to the way we used to run the business. Because you are now bringing two different, three different or 10 different people into the your organization. You can't run it. They don't even know how you do it. And you don't even know how do they do it. So I think you need to walk before that. So if, if your D-Day is going to be on today, I think you are going to be talking, with them at least three months ahead, starting to, you know, there are some intent, you have already signed a letter of intent, you have already signed some sort of document to protect each other. So that gives you an opening to go back and start working with them with three months before. Start telling what you're doing, It you know, start sharing those information that you do, whether it is your KPIs or whether it is your customer call that you are having or key customer meeting that you want to bring it out. Bring them early to your discussions and day-to-day operational information sharing. I think that's the one bit that we did. Plus, when you're offering a product or a market or a solution within a similar market, uh, it's not very, very similar, but could be a similar market. It becomes a little more easier for you because you are talking about a customer. Look, every company that we all build is all built around customers. Is the customer happy about what we're offering? I think it's at the end of the day, it's a customer-oriented plan or roadmap. Then it becomes easy because all the founders and team, they know why are we doing it? Why are we aligning it? Or why are we acquiring it? And how we should work together so that the customer is uh, done. There will be a certain percentage of overlap would happen there are certain percent of customers which might not even fit with your offerings that you will have to always course correct and change it it's not 100 percent, you know it's a puzzle kind of thing that you can do it but these are the sort of framework that you take into account and start applying them start learning about it start accepting the way that you used to do might not be the perfect you might have to learn just because you are acquiring you are not the perfect is getting acquired they might not be perfect so it's a combination of process practice cultural, aligning teams, aligning customers, bringing them to meet customers so that they also know what's happening with the company. Because suddenly the customer gets very curious about where the company is heading. I think we had to go through this. This was a great learning for me and for the team.
1: The fact that you sort of get them onto the team and start working with them three months in advance, that is the ice breaking moment. How much time does it take for it to become a part of the DNA? Like both of y'all working in seamless fashion of a single organization.
0: I'm a big believer of 18 months plan, right? As they say, anything that you want to make it as of your behavior, you have to go through 18 months of rigorous work. So in this case, also the same thought process, you might have started working it, but Look, the moment the team gets expanded, problem, your customer base is going to be increased because you are acquiring a company. Your problem statements are going to be double or triple. your, And your offerings are going to be equally 3x challenged. So now you have a different equations altogether. If you multiply them, they're not going to be done in three months. They're not going to be done in six months because by the time you've got customers, they are not happy with your product or suddenly they have issue with, what you are offering, what they were offering. You need to go out and change your product process. You need to go out and change your customer operation process. You need to go out and change your sales process. And you know, weeks are going to run, and you're going to still pull out people and say, hey, guys, here is a sales process that we wish to do, but that doesn't align with our technology. Can we change it? Here is a customer support. So it's going to take time. Every Monday uh, doesn't work if you are looking at a very short-term approach to that. And hence, I'm a big believer that it has to go through an 18-month time frame to test all the puzzles and make sure that it is put in place.
1: You are also a big believer of what you call the founder's mentality and a founder's quotient. And you have said that it is important for non-founding members to also have this sort of mentality. Can you tell us more about how this has worked for you and why is this important?
0: I think this is a very fab subject. You know, in fact, um, I've always been thinking, but again, uh, and I will did a tweet and that got me to start um, expressing them in a, in a blog post and tweet and all that. This is my long-held beliefs. Look, every successful company doesn't become successful just because the founder came up with a great idea. It didn't happen with Intel. You know, it, it could have happened with a couple of companies. But I think uh, I believe that every successful company is going to go through a set of journey which is going to thrive against all the odds and bring very different thoughts and ideas to the table which will help you to create market leading products solutions and that uh, is very very unlikely to be done always by the founders. Uh, The founders could have started with one idea but that only will have a limited time frame of success. You're going to be always challenged by newcomers. So how are you going to build a differentiated business is by having very successful team members or team members who are going to own it and make it as part of the journey. Those are my way to think about team members having founder mentality. The founder mentality is that you should be able to own the risk, you should be able to own the reward, you should be able to own a mindset of saying, oh, this company is not somebody's company. This is my opportunity to excel and make a unique impression out of it. That's what makes most successful founders even to feel very happy about it. It's not about the company going from you know 10 crore to 100 crore or 1,000 crore. But I think it is about bringing out team members who would have a lasting impression of the company's DNA, at least in the last 20 years, both in US Valley and all part of the world, I think a lot of successful companies have been built with this kind of mindset where it is an impact to the society. In fact, even in India, we Infosys or anybody else, we take an example. It has been done. Now they are trying to do with the beyond the founders, but that's the opportunity to bring out a long lasting journey in any company.
1: Which means one should be very careful at the recruiting stage.
0: Absolutely. I think uh, in a world that we live in, I think there are some companies who practice it very well. I think quick hiring is not going to help you. Hiring without aligning mentalities and aligning uh, founder questions is not uh, going to help you. Somebody is uh, not starting up but happy to be part of a team to create within that um, foundation, That's the kind of people that you would like to bring them on board. And it's going to make a great transition for the company.
1: Continuing from this idea, Mm -hmm. you have also said that you are replaceable if what you do is replicable.
0: Sure.
1: Replicating how you do something is different and is difficult. So give us one quality that one can develop to be in a position of being non-replaceable.
0: Yeah, just a single word. In fact, the answer is iterative. So if you're iterating year on year, doing whatever you do, in every role that we perform, a lot of times we somehow, if we get into the level where we think we are performing well, we are not challenged, everything is going well, but then the equation changes, the industry changes, suddenly there is a downtime comes in, the company is not no longer making money, or the company is very ambitious and you are not fitting into their goal. That's where replaceable come into picture. So you are doing good. You would continue to do good, but that we don't need any longer. So in my mind, in every role that we do, we are going to be replaceable. The only way that you're going to be irreplaceable in the world that we live in is that you need to iterate. You need to uh, continue to question yourself and map within your organization saying, is this person you know, iterating well in, in the job that they are doing? Is, he, is he, he or she learning new things? Is he bringing in new ideas? Is he questioning the way we do things or is he contributing to more contribution to our things? I'm not talking about more in more number of more hours, but more in terms of ideas, insights, applications. It's about your approach to the problem. It's about your approach to your role that need to iterate. And if you do that, I'm 100% sure it's absolutely impossible to replace you because you're doing somebody else coming in that picture, they would not have a history about it, but what was been going on and you have already built such a great depth and understanding you are an asset to the entire team you are assets to the company you are asset to the journey that they are having yeah. and and you thrive in that role
1: you told us about how customer is king mm-hmm. the explora application says that 70% of the revenue is generated by repeat customers True. Tell us two things that entrepreneurs or professionals can do as their bit to ensure that there are repeat customers.
0: First and foremost is you need to have a very obsessive customer success mindset. See, look, we are building businesses not for us. We build companies because we have a certain way to life, certain way we think that we should take care of things around, whether it's a customer, nature, people. You know, relationship, etc. So it all that's the, the unique DNA of each founder at each company, right? So in my mind, if you are obsessive about your customers, you know that they need to succeed. Why is that they are using my platform but they are not able to succeed? What is that we are not doing it for them? Are there many more customers that having the similar uh, issues? Can we improve the product? Can we improve the offering? Can we understand? Can we hear their feedback? Can we course correct our offerings? You know. I think when you put this kind of framework in place, or if you put this kind of philosophy in place within your team members, the communication that is happening with your customers are very different. The customer is is going to treat you that, yeah, these are the guys that I work with. They are extension to what I'm doing. They are not some external people, but they are extension to my business. Then you are operating in a different vector altogether. You are complementing, to their business plans and growth and, and and numbers, right? So that's what I call obsessive customer success mindset. That's the first and foremost thing I'm going to tell you, what scale you do. The second one is when we operate a business, there is always a, modesty or humility within the team members and within the relationship both internally and externally both with the customers stakeholders investors ecosystem people who need help people who need mentoring or you seeking mentoring from there everything i believe the world is absolutely today can't operate without modesty you need to have a absolutely down-to-earth kind of personality that people can relate to and willing to support you whenever you need you're having a conversation with a customer and you messed it up but you are very open and transparent and and you're, you're accepting it rather than showing any sign of ego languages those kind of thought processes are not going to help you at all so i think these are the two things that i put it within again the framework within the mindset of and and use this to succeed
1: talking of success tell us what achievement means to you
0: but i think i have a simple definition to that my definition is, are you doing what inspires you? To be able to do the work that inspires you in a very simplistic way, I think that's an achievement uh, because numbers will change, roads will change. What you achieved today could be done by a newcomer in, in a couple of years, lesser than you. So you cannot just benchmark you with everybody else to feel that you are achieved or not achieved. I think if you're able to do what, you, what inspires you, I think that's, a, that's an achievement.
1: Great. That sounds good. Thank you, in fact, for inspiring us. And uh, thank you for being with us on our show. Thank you
0: so much. Thank you so much for uh, setting time and uh, uh, giving an opportunity to talk about it.
1: Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to Voice of Achievers and share the link with your friends. Tune in for brand new episodes every Sunday at 11 a.m. Stay updated and stay connected by following us on Instagram at voiceofachievers. You may also send us guest suggestions or topics that you'd like us to cover with our guests by writing to us. Send out an email to editor at voiceofachievers.com with your name followed by your suggestion. Trust me, we are listening and we cannot wait to share more such voices to empower you.